Dan, you have your case. This is a 67-year-old male who came to the United States in 2006. And at that time, he's moving in with his daughter. He came from the Philippines. His past medical history was about three years before he had moved. He had had a tumor removed from his stomach. And all the information we had was that he was told this tumor was in the wall of the stomach. It was about four inches big. It was removed, and he was okay. So after living here for about six, seven months, he developed some right upper quadrant pain, and exam showed that he had a palpable right lobe of the liver. His transaminases were just slightly elevated, not terrible. And a CAT scan showed two separate lesions, segment five and segment six of the right lobe, each measuring about two, two and a half centimeters. He had one of them biopsied, which was CKIP positive, and his PET scan showed just these two hypermetabolic areas, and the remainder of the exam was normal. So he was seen by an oncologic surgeon who thought these were resectable lesions, and he underwent a segment, two segments to remove the tumor, and the tumor were spindle cells, CKIP positive, and postoperatively did very well. And he was placed on Gleevec, and he's been on Gleevec now for about 10 months. And this was a tumor that had only about two to five mitotic figures, so it wasn't terribly mitotically active, but obviously had metastasized. So, Chuck, there's a lot of controversy in colorectal cancer in terms of surgically resectable liver mets. Do you use pre-op, systemic therapy, post-op? What about with GIST? Well, this is a great case, too. And as you pointed out, the mitotic rate is probably trumped by the fact that it's already metastatic anyway. We actually do have pretty good data that came out of MD Anderson quite a few years ago about salvage surgery for GIST in the pre-imatinib era. And what clearly emerged is you get one surgical shot at this disease. The long-term survival rate with a second or third or fourth surgery was 5% or less. So my opinion, without imatinib, this patient has a 0% chance of long-term survival. Now, you're doing it adjuvantly anyway. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but knowing that surgery alone is not sufficient, I might have tended just to use some imatinib first, would have given you an idea whether their tumor is sensitive to the drug or not, then gone to surgery, because I do actually think that the combination of surgery and imatinib will be the only thing that does achieve long-term survival if anything can. But I'm also telling people who are in this setting this is not an adjuvant patient. This is somebody with systemic disease for sure. And this kind of patient, I would leave on Gleevec if they were tolerating it. What do we know about the biology of this disease, Brian, in terms of, I mean, can surgery cure just in the liver? So I think Chuck hit on all the important points, actually. So in this pa- I mean, the, the patient had two lesions clinically, but I look at him as having two million lesions, yeah. or might as well have two million lesions. So I agree with you that now that the thing metastasized, he's got systemic disease, definitely, and you've got to think of him as having systemic illness. So to require a matinib. And the other point, you brought it up again, is you can't risk gratify a metastasis. So the fact that it only had a few mitotic figures is kind of irrelevant. All the data that's been developed is on primary disease, and we don't know what his primary really looked at it. it actually could have been significantly nastier looking than you'd imagine from looking at the liver metastasis. This so, patient asked you, what do I expect her in the future? That said, now that, I mean, if you truly believe he has systemic disease and you believe that the median time to resistance is two years, you might be seeing some trouble. But again, this is adjuvant use to metastasectomy, and we're just too nascent in our understanding of that disease. I mean, what you can tell them too, though, is your outlook is good. We know that you know, 25% of people in our original trial with hugely metastatic disease are alive and well six years later. So it's important to tell people that I don't expect them to die of GIST anytime soon, but I'm very careful not to promise a cure either. This is a lifetime imatinib patient, though, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, they're now diabetic on insulin. But I will also tell you, this is really important, and I'm glad you unearthed it. 
especially in the pediatric population, we get these people who had leiomyosarcomas when they were 13, and then they recur with gists. But again, because I don't think salvage surgery works, I treat the second tumor not as their original tumor, but as a recurrence. And it changes everything I do. So it's really important to try and figure out if they had a prior history of gist, which this obviously patient had a gastric gist. Do we know what the time course is of recurrence of gist after surgery? Most high-risk just to recur within three years, in my experience. You get very long yes, latencies in a really small number of cases. I recently had a patient who had a 30-year yep. metastasis. They were a pediatric gist who recurred at the age of 41, I think. They had a case when they were 17, and then they recurred at 41 with yep. a pretty aggressive gist, actually, at that age. Yeah. But the vast majority are going to recur within the first three years. But connected to that, you can't tell people they're cured if they're alive and well five years after their primary surgery. How do you know it was a gist if the gist didn't exist to like around 1989 or 1990? <laughs> you got to get the primary and look at it to know for sure. But if you look at statistics, so yeah. in that era, back in the 80s, very commonly benigners or lower grade looking lesions were all called lyomyoma or lyomyosarcoma. We didn't really come up with the term gist until the 80s. I think it was like 84, 85 when Henry Appleman in Michigan sort of came up with that terminology. And then it really took a long time to stick. In fact, pretty much till the common or the, to the new era here with kit staining and so forth, now GIST is really an entity. But statistically, GISTs are the most common mesenchymal tumor of the GI tract that comprise about 80% of all spindly things in the GI tract. So, you know, formally speaking, we try to get a hold of the old lesions. It's a pain and it's hard to do sometimes. But when we get them, many times they are GIST. The only exception, though, if they had an esophageal tumor, those commonly are actually lyomyomas or even lyomyosarcoma. More That's right. So there's some anatomic predilection for some of these things, right? Distal esophagus is going to be more commonly going to be smooth muscle tumor. Rectal area, a lot of those are smooth muscle tumors. But, but anything gastric-y, I just call a GIST. I just do it. I try and get yep. the path, but otherwise I assume. Most of them are GISTs.